0: Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we discuss the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, Perpetual Infinity.
1: So the first thing I have to say is that someone pointed out that Perpetual Infinity sounds like the name of an insurance company, and now I can't get that out of my head.
0: An insurance company. I guess it's it's describing Gabrielle in yes. that she's stuck, not in any particular time, but also in the wrong time.
1: Yes, and and, and that's what Stamets calls his plan to shoot the angel
0: suit into the far future. Hmm. Right. So that it it would get it would get stuck, I guess. Except that it would be stuck in the far future, which doesn't seem like. <laughs>
1: Do they know that control isn't around then, though?
0: Yeah, exactly. It seems like it seems like if you're trying to evade a artificial intelligence that you already know is still alive a thousand years from now, it seems mm. like throwing it past then isn't really going. Like I don't I don't know why that would uh, stop it from getting it then. It's a bit of a gamble, but they're doing it to... Protect people and save people. So it's it's more about uh, keeping our people alive and uh, Mama Burman in in some semblance of safety. And to at least delay
1: controls access to that information until long after it has ceased to matter.
0: I don't know. I, I mean, this is this is the point in the podcast where I say every week i don't actually care about like the science (laughs) and the plotting and what they're doing because it never actually makes sense and if you think about it too much you know you'll go crazy so i just choose not to
1: i feel like this is going to be one of those things like the elder wand in in harry potter where it does make sense and i can see how all the threads come together but i'm also going to have to like sit down and make a chart and write everything out before i understand it like there was a week where i had my head around the elder wand canon and now it's gone again because it was quite complicated but i have <laughs> that same sense that this does work okay I'll,
0: I'll accept that i
1: i also think that a vague sense that it makes sense oh, is enough so-
0: yeah, that's, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's my my point of view is I accept that it makes sense to them and it doesn't need to make sense to me.
1: Yeah, we're Voyager fans. We're here for the characters, not the
0: plot. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Voyager, you spotted a nice parallel. I did. I, Perhaps because I've watched Dunk Frontier a few too many times, mm. but the, the pre-credit sequence uh, with Michael and her parents reminded me a lot of the is between Annika Hansen and her parents, Aaron and Magnus, when they're studying the Borg in yes. uh, in the Delta Quadrant there and, and shockingly get assimilated by the Borg. Who would yeah, have thought? Yeah, who saw that coming? So I, I will say that I think I have a little bit more respect for the Burnhams than I do for the Hansens in terms of parenting, in that they don't seem to be trying to put their child in a very dangerous situation even though that's what happens
1: no that seems like even with their section 31 involvement it seems like just one of those things that could have happened anyway
0: right whereas the hansons are like let's take our six-year-old into borg territory sounds like a great idea but you you know the
1: federation has cps i just feel like maybe the rest of the hansen family should have stepped in and gone yeah how about we take annika for the next few years she has an
0: aunt who's like an admiral or something at this now in now time so that means that she was around and definitely could have said I know I have an idea leave your six-year-old with me Mm. don't don't bring her into Borg territory
1: and to think we call Sarek the worst parent in Star
0: Trek (laughs) yep it's a, it's a it's a contest for, for worst parents, <laughs> as much as you know. I love seven and Nine and I and I'm very grateful for her story. I oh, she's like... a
1: wonderful character, a... and I feel like the Hansons' flaws are quite realistic, and she is allowed to be angry about them. But yeah, what were they thinking?
0: Yeah. But I honestly, I mean, this scene where it's like normal domestic life, and interrupted by this uh, the space science that they are investigating and then there's an attack it was like oh this is very reminiscent of the Hansons.
1: Uh, Someone else spotted the same parallel it might have been Aristophanes and she pointed out if it was her it might be anyway uh, she pointed out that Annika looks at those Seven of Nine looks at those memories and goes, wow, my parents were really irresponsible people. Whereas this episode is about Michael realizing just how much her mother loved her and the extraordinary lengths her mother has gone to and is still going to, to keep her safe and to fix those, to rectify those errors.
0: Yeah, to, to put her family back together.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate the parallel, but I'm glad that Michael, of all people, is the one who gets to come out going man, my family really loved me and they were really good people. And, you know, Michael goes through so much in, in this whole series and beforehand. It's, it's nice to have something as relatively uh, uncomplicated as knowing that her mother loves her.
0: Yeah, the scene where Gabrielle went through the different times in Michael's life where she noticed her. Yeah. That, you know, that I, I saw you talking to me and I saw it like that, those were very meaningful it was beautiful
1: it made me wonder if she could like if she, if her gaze extended into the mirror universe and that whole business there because she certainly knows who philippa is
0: yeah that's another thing that i don't really understand is how she knows all of this if she's like living in this dystopian wasteland in space like i, I don't know it did it like it, it was unclear to me how she's learning all of the things that she knows by doing all these jumps like how she ends up in different places and how she like I guess if she just keeps jumping to Michael but Michael doesn't has only ever seen her once and I was confused but it's another thing that I just I didn't think too much about I was like well that doesn't make sense but okay
1: I decided that the suit is basically a TARDIS outfit and it travels through space as well as time. And that's how, you know, she moved the Terralisium people and sometimes she can manifest without appearing visibly and catch
0: glimpses of Michael's life. But, like, how does she know, like, you know, the, like the Philippa thing, how does she know who Philippa is? Maybe. How does she know what happens to Pike? Like, I don't, does she have wikipedia from the future somehow i mean
1: maybe she's clearly able to pop back and forth in time and grab like puffer vests and so forth and and food and and stuff like that so (laughs)
0: so so, so she i mean like i can i can imagine that she has some kind of link but it's these are the little details that seem to be missing from the big picture yeah (laughs) yeah in order to you know, they were showing us the big picture, but they, it, my brother, uh, you know, was like, why isn't this show just about her? Like, <laughs> he just wants to know how she's doing all of this and what she's seeing. And he thinks that that's really interesting.
1: I would enjoy a whole series about yeah. Sonia Sohn jumping back and forth through time, like a sort of Doctor Who quantum leap crossover.
0: Yeah. Trying to puzzle it all together. Like, and, and you would answer all these questions that we have on. And I think that would be amazing.
1: I don't know that we need to answer those questions. Like we know the results and we know that she has her puffer vest and so forth and <laughs> I this is one of those cases where I'm happy to infer the I, I'm happy to infer the stuff between the lines.
0: Alright, so we know that she her her dystopian future planet of like grey sand.
1: Yes. Um
0: which is it Elysium? I don't think it was named. She just said an M-class planet. Well, she because she's called Elysium my planet. And so I was like, is it the same <gasps> planet? <laughs> or is it, Like, I was just confused. I, again, small detail, not important. But I I wanted to, I didn't know if she called it my planet because she like put the people there or if it was her planet because it was actually her grey dust ball waste in the future.
1: Mm. It is difficult to say. And I think as usual, I missed
0: some dialogue. They specify that it's 950 years not a thousand which
1: which is so interesting it's, because it's, the short trek calypso is set a thousand years
0: in the yeah, future exactly it seems like that's purposeful that's a purposeful you know because i if i was if i was her i would round up like i would you know i'd say yeah, it's a thousand yeah. years i wouldn't say it's nine hundred and fifty so uh, so i think it's it's notable
1: no she's very specific which i think implies that they are going to win and they are going to defeat control this season and so craft's future of being at war with something like the federation and uh discovery drifting in space with its own ai is uh going to be intact yes i mean Mm -hmm. i also think that the two future ai's are not coincidence
0: No, yeah. I think that obviously all of these things are are connected in some way and uh, it it will become apparent as we Mm. watch our final three episodes.
1: Well, I certainly have theories
0: about where it's going, but uh, we'll save that for the end. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about Leland and how correct you were about (laughs) him being a walking control automaton now uh, and a creepy one at that.
1: I actually feel a little bad for him because it turns out that he was not a good guy but he was not an out-and-out out villain. And then he just gets this horrible death that even he doesn't deserve. And, you know, I thought that he was going to be drawn and quartered and filleted by Philippa and that we would be cheering. And instead it's just, it's it's a bit sad
0: and gross. It's definitely sad and gross. I, I feel that he, we we don't, Get to know him well enough to, I uh, you know really. I, I mean, I I don't think it's a fair ending for anyone. But I we don't get to enough to know him well enough to really know, or care if this is justified or or anything like that. Or he's uh, no Ariam. Yeah, yeah. He's sort of like, well, that it's sad that that happened to Leland. Well, oh well. I get. I mean, I sort of want Pike to have a reaction because they were introduced as friends so I want to know, like I don't want that to be just sort of a random breadcrumb I'd yeah, rather, yeah. I'd like it to be picked up but I do, I trust that because it, I don't know why they would introduce that and then never do anything with it
1: Certainly it is not beyond the realm of Star Trek possibilities, even on Discovery to introduce things and then never follow up Yeah. but it, it's it w- a small enough thing that I will be forgiving if we never hear from hear about it again but like you,
0: I would like to see that you know, when you said you were sad for him, I thought maybe you were going to say that, that he's not an evil villain, but no one noticed that he'd been taken <laughs> over by an evil villain. But I guess oh, they did. They, they sort of, have, have, you know, we only really get to see him interact with Ash and Philippa, and both of them eventually decide that there's something wrong. So they did notice. They just, they didn't, like, it wasn't, Obvious enough that that uh, they pulled out immediately, or like in front of him, it was like I feel a little weird about this, but it's probably just Section 31 and not Leland himself. Like it's, yeah, it's I'm yeah. against the idea of this. Not Leland has been taken over by an evil AI. <laughs>
1: Even though that is probably a more likely explanation at this point than uh, Lorca is acting a bit odd, but he's definitely not been replaced by uh, his double from another universe.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean,
1: (laughs) control was spotted well before the Lorca imposter was. How sad is that?
0: Harsh, harsh Starfleet.
1: (laughs) I think in Starfleet's defense, Philippa is a naturally paranoid person yes and, and ash <laughs> has occasional flashes of intelligence
0: honestly i think the ash part was that he was already feeling guilt like they put this stuff with ash and michael in the previously on and i feel yeah. like we were supposed to get the idea that she was having an influence on him and that he was sort of like maybe i shouldn't trust section 31 they're asking me to do things that are against principles and not, we're not telling anybody. And this seems like a bad idea, (laughs) you know, especially when like the, the people, the discovery and the the people from the future are saying, whatever you do, make sure that the, uh, future AI doesn't get this data. And so Leland's like, the best way to protect the data is for us to have it, even though the future AI is totally a part of our ship. (laughs) yeah i
1: also think that he was convinced by michael's description of her mother as someone who sought truth and facts and he trusts michael and so he decides not to copy the data but i don't think he's suspicious of leland until he tells leland that that he's made that choice and leland's like yeah okay cool you made the right choice no no big deal
0: and he's like wait a minute that's not how these places work
1: (laughs) yeah so well done ash you good job we're on the ball,
0: and as for Philpa, you know, it's uh, how they've a how they made like a little flashback to show you, show him saying the same thing instead mm. of just assuming that we would know that. I I I guess I get it, but I don't like it when they don't trust the audience to be able to understand what's going on when it's like it, it was like last scene <laughs> we are not if you're if you're watching the show. I feel like we should be able to follow this through line.
1: Yeah, if you keep that sort of thing up, you end up with the K-drama trope of a flashback inside a flashback. So you can flashback while you flashback. And I had the same reaction when we had the flashes to the scenes of Michael's life that her mother was recalling. Like, we didn't need those. We remember that stuff.
0: Unnecessary. It's unnecessary sort of gimmicky stuff that I don't... That, yeah. and, that, and that yeah it just seems like laying out the plot for you like here you go and it's like as you said earlier I would rather infer that I would rather the, the you know they trust that we are understanding what's going on
1: yes and to take it back to Michael's life again I would have liked to know that there are moments in Michael's life that her mother saw that the audience hasn't
0: yeah exactly it does um, even, like, the, the mention of reading Alice in Wonderland was like, do they have any other books on Vulcan?
1: Because no, I'm no, getting I don't the impression that
0: no. That's the they, only book they know.
1: So, they have The Wisdom of Sorak and they have Alice in Wonderland.
0: I, and, like, I love Alice in Wonderland and I like the connection for them all, but I just think it didn't, like, she could have just said reading to me aloud. It didn't need to specify <laughs> Alice in Wonderland.
1: Michael starts to seem like one of those kids who read Harry Potter and then nothing else ever again. Right.
0: That's like and that's like a cliche these days. That's like
1: Yeah. You know. These these are nitpicks. I really enjoyed the episode. Yeah, and I it's... really enjoyed how Philippa was sort of instinctively wary of Control Eland at first, and then he distracted her oh. by uh, sort of setting up a rivalry between her and Gabrielle. And she initially buys into that and then changes her mind, which I just, I've been saying all along that Philippa, I love her as a character, but if she's going to carry her own spin-off she needs to have more than just this theatrical mask of evil overlord that she likes to wear. And this episode really saw that mask dropped and not just with Michael.
0: Exactly. We got to see it with both Leland and Gabrielle.
1: Yes, yes, particularly Gabrielle and I really loved their scene together.
0: I, I loved it for for many reasons, but they could have been contentious, and like there mm. was this, you know, a little bit of of that, but it was mostly like uh, Gabrielle saying, you know, what you can you can try to fool me about how much you you don't care about her and how the, none of this matters to you, but. I know the truth and that's all a lie so it's it's not actually worth it and you should just you should just you know treat me like a person and and we can have a conversation about this and Philippa respects her enough to do that and And it's so
1: rare to see Philippa respond to someone as an equal and I do think the only times we see it are with Michael and with Kat and now with
0: Gabrielle And also because it was like contrasted with the Leland scene or the faux Leland scene, um, where he was using those feelings against her. Yes, Gabrielle was was using those feelings and telling her that it was a strength and not a weakness, which is different from like everything that Philip has ever heard in her life. Um, Yes, because in her universe, it is a weakness, and it's what it's what ended up losing her her all of her power, but it also is what got her here in our universe. So there's like already a dichotomy for her. Yes. So I really I really liked that uh, Leland, who is representing the villain in this um, in this area, in our universe and, and what's going on right now, our scenario that's happening now, was sort of using Terran tactics, which makes sense for both the AI and for Section 31, like whichever parts- Absolutely. Part like it absolutely made sense for them to be using those tactics, and Gabrielle, Michael's mother, was using the Michael Burnham, you know, like I'm going to save you whether you want to be saved or not <laughs> stuff, <laughs> and and I and and pointing out that it was a strength that that caring for her daughter made her a better person, and and uh, Gabrielle was was thankful. And so it, like, it also saved their interaction. And, like, there was just a lot going on. There were a lot of layers. And I also liked how it sort of, that idea of this thing that you think is a weakness is actually a strength was paralleled with the Spock scene. Yes. um, Where he was watching the, like, her recording, her log that was saying that his unique makeup, which he's always had, Really complicated feelings for and shame over, and his learning disability, which he, you know, thought he was so sh- ashamed of that that he hid it from everyone. <laughs> and those, t- like, those two things that he felt so much shame and fear and anger over, and probably then, you know, more shame and fear and anger of those emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Were actually
0: spiral. why he was able to help and he made him the only person that was that was able to communicate and understand what was going on and I just thought like and that that it was a strength for him and that that was a beautiful message and then that it was like echoed in the later scene with I was like this is good storytelling guys
1: yeah yeah as much you know we have the clumsy flashbacks but we also have this
0: yeah, and I mean that, and that's why, like, I I can point out the little things that that are clumsy or that I, I wish weren't there, I guess, or or that irritate me somewhat. It's it that doesn't take away my enjoyment of the show or the episode. It's it's no. like because I see it as this is the way that um, television works. This is the way that stories are told, you know hand wave hand wave I'm good with it.
1: That and for me noticing that clumsiness means that I'm very very engaged.
0: Exactly that's a really good way of putting it.
1: I don't give that much energy to stuff that I don't care about as much.
0: Right if I didn't if I if I wasn't excited by this story I wouldn't even notice those things they would just be noise.
1: Yes exactly. I also, I loved all of Gabriel's scenes because Sonia Sohn did such a good job of echoing Sonequa Martin-Green's acting as Michael without being an imitation.
0: And I loved, you know, Hugh's explanation that the reason they assumed it was Michael was because uh, mitochondrial DNA was very quick, whatever. But it was basically saying mothers and daughters are very similar. and And so it was like setting up this idea... And then and showing Gabrielle interacting with these different people that Michael interacts with, and having it be similar but different. Like I love that stuff. That's what I was hoping for in this season was the little familial differences. Yes. With you know, you can like you said, you can tell that Spock and Michael grew up together because of this. You know, and yes. and it, you can tell that Gabrielle raised Michael in her formative years because this. But you can also see how different they are and how they attack different problems, and how, you know, I don't want to say jaded, but maybe exhausted Gabrielle is from this whole thing that she's been doing for so long.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, she just radiated exhaustion. Which,
0: I mean, makes sense. You can blame her.
1: (laughs) And like Michael, she has taken it upon herself to single handedly save the entire universe.
0: Right, exactly.
1: I didn't know that was a genetic trait. I yet. <laughs> but I also love that even though we have these very strong biological and emotional ties between uh, Michael and Gabrielle, her adoptive families are still completely valid and Spock is still her brother and Philippa is still sort of her mother and these are not erased by having her biological mother in yeah. her life. I have an aunt by adoption like my grandparents adopted her so the trope the uh, that adoption doesn't count or that biology trumps uh the family that raised you or families is just it it makes me see red so i was really glad to see
0: that yeah and and that they had gabrielle herself be the one to validate it yes was, was also very it was like you know, don't even bring up this argument because I'm going. I'm here to prove that we are all valid, we all matter, and and none of it negates you know, now she just has more family.
1: Yes, yes. So and I know that there are a lot of people calling for Gabrielle to give Amanda a stern talking to because apparently Sarek gets off scot free, but we have to we have to call the woman out. But I don't think had Amanda been present for this, I don't think that's how it would have gone down.
0: I think Gabrielle would thank them for taking her in and giving her a family. And, yes. I mean, I'll, okay, I'll say, just uh, because you brought it up, I was adopted, my mother remarried, and my stepfather adopted me when I was two. So oh, wow. I didn't know, he was the only father I ever knew, but it'll sometimes come up. Like, people will say... Oh, your brothers are only half brothers, or, you know, so they're like, they're, so for my children, they're like half uncles. And I was like, what does that even mean? That's, that's, that's meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's terrible. But it was just, it's like, it's offensive to me <laughs> when anyone would call out my family as not being fully real because there was this one difference. Yes. My father was the only parent I had for, you know, 13 to, um, he died. So it was like, they, that was my parent. Anyways, they'll say, Why do you care about Bail Organa so much? And it's like, Oh, well, let me tell you. <laughs> it's because <laughs> it's really important to me that Leia had an amazing adoptive father who she considers her father no matter what she learns about her other biology. Father. You know, it's like, Yes, yeah. that's, that, that's not the point. I think that a lot of television, a lot of fiction are really bad on adoptive family they're really bad on foster families Mm. they're just like there's a lot out there that is that does a lot of things really really wrong (laughs) and so anytime they do things right i like to point it out and i love the Sarek family i love that it's the crazy blended family and i love that Gabrielle uh, acknowledges how important Philippa has been to her daughter. I think that those are important relationships that, she, you know, again, she just has more now. And we, yeah. know, we, we should all be so lucky.
1: I was intrigued by Gabrielle's prediction that Philippa will sacrifice her life for Michael. Because mm. that doesn't sound like something that's uh, conducive to her own spinoff. Yeah,
0: I know. That's Swiss um, I thought that exact thing too, but it's also like, you know, she, she mentions Pike's, uh, mm. sad ending and that isn't for a little while. So it's sort of like we have time. And Things don't have to come to pass if they're changed now. Like right, right now, right now we're changing the future. The, you know, they, they definitely at the end of this episode quoted Terminator like twice and said <laughs> the future is unwritten. So, uh, so I think we can we can take that and say nothing that they predict, nothing that she says needs to come to pass in order for it to have been true now.
1: I certainly have theories about how this season is going to end. But before we get there, you know, we've talked about names and how names in television are always very deliberate.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: um, Michael's mother is named Gabrielle. Yeah. <laughs> Did Lorca ever have a
0: chance? I, 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 it's just, it's a strange choice. It's an interesting choice. <laughs> I like, I like the angel
1: connection. You know, people were saying, oh, the red angel is definitely Lorca because Gabriel is, is an angel, an archangel. And I was like, yes, but so is Michael. And apparently we were both right and yep. both wrong. It's, it's crazy.
0: It's just so, uh, <laughs> yeah. The angel Gabriel is the messenger angel. Mm, so it, it it's Gabriel is a better angel choice. Tra- name choice if you if you need to have it be so blatant but I mean it's like we didn't even know her name until after we knew she was the angel so it wasn't like it wasn't like a a secret message to you know like it wasn't part of the puzzle it was it was just they they chose to make it very clear that she is the messenger angel I'm I'm curious as to why I mean these are these are things that that I don't want to think about and I definitely like please know Techie people explain to me why the wings are a good idea for her time travel suit. I don't actually want to know, but I am curious as to Someone why she chose the wings. Section 31
1: is a very big fan of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yes, you exact. said so yourself.
0: I did. So, Control just really likes yes, anime. And, and can I just say, like, of course it was always Michael's parent. Like, that is literally what Evangelion is about. Okay? The, turns out. <laughs> that the big suits that they wear, like the suit that Shinji wears, is Shinji's mother. <laughs> so, like, I was not even a tiny bit wrong about the Evangelion connection. It is 100% there.
1: Bo Kim tweeted something about NGE just recently. So I think we've, we have we were correcting our guess <laughs> as to who on the writers team is the fan. <laughs> and anyway, yeah, I think and it is this accurate.
0: Was... It is an accurate statement, which is awesome. I love people who love something like that you know it's like oh i i watched neon genesis evangelion in the 90s and then i grew up to become a tv writer and i wanted to explore those ideas in this thing you know and and like that's that's how magic works so it's yes great it is a absolutely wonderful i love it and I love that, that they were like, yeah, we're just going to make the suit have these wings and it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> and I love that they were like, and we're you know, she's the messenger angel, so we're totally naming her Gabriel and, and we don't care that we already <laughs> have a Gabriel because that just makes that more awkward and that's kind of awesome. So It's great because
1: it works for Mira Michael's relationship with him because she's just like mother issues all the way down. So for her, this is a feature, not a bug. And Michael all the time was probably going uh, inside. And meanwhile, they have Sonequa Martin-Green's husband playing Michael's father, which is an extra layer of weird. And I actually got into a fight on Reddit a few months ago with a guy who was sure that was who he would be playing. And I was like, that, that, that would be weird. Surely they're not going to do that. So I need to find that guy and apologize to him and congratulate him on his keen casting instincts
0: but i do think it's really really kind of adorable that they're both michael burnham like oh that no. is so cute <laughs> couple goals
1: he had a really good rapport with both Sonia Sone and the girl who plays young michael can i just say i really liked her outfit she's wearing like a long-sleeved short dress and sneakers and it looks like such a kid thing to wear like a bit nineties, but you know, previously Star Trek kids—they're wearing jumpsuits, they're wearing boots. They look hard to move in, and this looks like regular kid wear.
0: Mm. And she had a little bunny. Like, yeah. I, I liked the bunny. <laughs> was like, you'll be okay here in the closet with your bunny. Yeah. And Dad was—it was—it was very like Harry Potter at that point, where like Dad, like Dad's like, "I'll go give you some time." <laughs> By sacrificing myself to some Klingons. Uh...
1: Mum's like, sure, I'm just going to time travel a bit. Which, can I say, I've read that Harry Potter fic. <laughs> yes, yeah,
0: so it, it really, it's very good. Good stuff, yes. good stuff.
1: They only appeared for a few minutes, but felt like a really cohesive family unit. And I really loved how when Michael regains consciousness after that memory. She is acting like her younger self and she's so expressive and emotional and even a bit funny. And it was like in that moment her whole Vulcan control had fallen away and she was just human Michael.
0: Sonequa Martin-Green is a genius at acting. I know we say this all the time but we do. This like, was a. I, I saw
1: the usual tweets go give her all the awards, and I was like, yes, absolutely. She's so talented. But I assumed that this was just another episode where she's sad and teary again, and it was. But there's so much more to it, and she's so emotional and funny, and like her face is suddenly much more expressive than usual. And it's like the shock of seeing her mother and having her mother alive again has just completely wiped out everything she learned on Vulcan she is having many emotions and only repressing a couple
0: and then you know Spock comes in and he's like you know I have a feeling that you're having trouble with your overwhelming emotions and I have some experience in that so (laughs) I have come to you know to bond with you and it was just like this is so good and that's another example of like he was proving that he's family and that he gets her and that yes she doesn't have to ask for him to help and
1: also that he's finally forgiven her like we knew that last week but I like to see it ongoing I really I, I didn't realize how upset I was by their estrangement until they were together and he still wouldn't forgive her and I'm like how can you not be on Michael's side <laughs> I think if he had automatically been on Michael's side, I would have called that out for the bad writing it is. But, you know, I, I'm very much team Michael in all yep. things.
0: We're, we're very invested in give poor
1: Michael Burnham a break. So my theory for the end of the season uh, is that we're going to succeed and Mama Burnham is going to stop the Klingon attack on the planet and we're going to jump into an alternate timeline where Michael was raised by her human parents and is living her adult human life as you know a starfleet officer or a scientist or something but then she has the memories of this other timeline and maybe something something has gone wrong and she needs to get the band back together and revert the timeline again because some maybe controllers stopped but something else has happened as a result i don't know i'm still Still trying to work it out, but I feel like there's going to be a temporary timeline jump.
0: I am like super into alternate universes. I am mm. hugely into alternate timelines and creating, and uh, and seeing what the difference is. Like one small thing, and then you know, there's a huge, uh, yes. all these ramifications, right? The pebble in the in the water, or the butterfly's wings in Japan. You know, it's like I I love that stuff, and I love seeing how characters are the same but different and and where you know are Hugh and Paul together like you know simple things like it's like what you know they're completely separate from Michael's family drama but how does how does that one thing affect everything we know about this universe you know uh, right
1: if if no one died on that that research outpost how many other lives are affected and how does that in turn affect the people we know
0: Exactly. So I'm I'm really into that, but at the same time, I don't want Discovery's timeline to be not prime or not the, no. the, the not the prime we know. So I'm concerned. I'm um, just because I wouldn't. I don't think that I would have this concern and these qualms and this like this like I don't know what I would describe as a uh, feeling of malaise of you know mm. a fear that that's going to happen if it weren't for the very vocal minority of people who who
1: insist
0: that this is not the prime yeah. timeline it's like i don't want to reward those people even for like one episode i just <laughs> i just don't want that. if if i didn't have to fight those people then i wouldn't care and i would be really excited but because those people yes. are so vocal, and like, like, still now, every single time someone tweets about Discovery who has enough of a following or enough of, like, or who the Discovery people like will retweet or pay attention to, we get these people who come in and yeah. say it's not Star Trek and it's not, and it, it doesn't matter. And this is like, you know, the, this Spock is a beard, and therefore it's not real. And it's like, your logic is ridiculous not even flawed it just it's like completely <laughs> crazy and you're offending me but then there are
1: youtubers who are basically earning money with these weird conspiracy theories about how it's secretly an alternate universe because the series is secretly made by bad robot productions not cbs and yeah it, it's 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 ridiculous and it's annoying, but because I am a troll at heart, if I were the showrunner, I would absolutely give these people what they want for a few episodes. And then steal it away. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I am a monster. (laughs) I would not want the whole series to be erased from history. I, I have invested a lot of feelings. I've written a lot of fan fiction. I would be angry if everything was just snap, wiped out, Thanos style. But... I would I would enjoy a glimpse of another universe and then the fight
0: to get back our own timeline. Can I just say that also happens at the end of Evangelion? <laughs> <laughs> like that's literally the last episode is about you know uh, this is this is the alternate uh, universe. You could live where your mother is still alive and uh, with your father and they're just normal people who live in, in a normal place and all this crazy stuff like your your love interest is not a clone of your mother she's she's just a girl <laughs> that you like so, oh, so yeah but yeah so, I mean and again I think I'm really into that seeing that I I really like I would really like to see the the false that you know uh it would be a level of emotion and drama uh that is very Interesting and very, mm. I mean, Michael having to give up another mother is, I I don't, I hate that we're always piling on poor Michael and she's forced to go through all of this, but I like the symmetry of it from a, from a story standpoint. I, I like the idea
1: of Michael even after the timeline, which I have made up in my head, is erased again still having the memories of being raised by her parents so that at no point is her character development negated or erased
0: yeah absolutely i I mean that's my main issue with any plot that involves time travel Mm. where it it erases that that timeline that's my my issue is that what we see on screen like this is my issue with um fringe which is a I bad, was going to which is that a bad out. robot uh, production, by the way. But um, Alex so Pressman. the the last season of Fringe, they're in a dystopian future, where uh, the daughter of the two main characters is sort of a Katniss Everdeen type uh, mm. resistance person, and she's had this really harsh life without her parents. You know, like the the thing that she carries around as a remembrance is. A bullet that's been fired and and misshapen, and it's like that's a scary metaphor for for your life. Mm. But I love that character. Like she is my favorite character in the entire series, and the end of the series erases that timeline out. and just yeah, just completely yeah. gets yeah. rid of that character, completely resets everything, and it's like this really happy ending and there's like there's there's all of this sunshine with the the little girl running to her parents it really and there, is
1: the mockingjay ending
0: and it is just like i hate it <laughs> like i just <laughs> sit there saying i hate this i hate this because that's not real like it's this is it took away all of the character development for all of these characters and replacing it with a facade of happiness That, Mm. you know, is that's not what life is about. And it's also, uh, you know, to bring it back to Dark Frontier, they have they have one of these two. I don't know if it's that episode or if it's a a later episode where Seven is like um, experiencing they like Borg heaven or not like Borg utopia world or whatever it was in a
1: matrix zero yeah
0: but there's a scene where she has a memory of herself as a young child running into her parents arms and the sun is out and everything's great and she's like this is not real (laughs) like stop erasing my trauma (laughs) (laughs) like I I like it matters I I went through this and and I and this person because of it and you can't just wave your magic wand and say it didn't happen
1: no i agree and i agree with your points about the ending of fringe i can't remember how i felt about it i've only seen the whole series through once but i remember mostly being annoyed that it was no longer the olivia dunham is a superhero show it was more about peter by then that that irritated me and i love fringe it's one of my favorite shows but they had this very bad habit of creating timelines and then completely erasing them and so I'm hoping that Alex Kurtzman has got that out of his system and we can have alternate timelines which are you know not completely wiped from existence and memory
0: I prefer we created an alternate time, which is what happens in the 2009 movie we created mm. an alternate timeline and it's going along all the other ones going along and we're both fine and we don't ever have to cross over and and we just had and, and it like that's interesting to me because again you can see the differences like how is Kirk different because he didn't grow up with his father that's yeah, interesting to yeah. me but you know if and and there was a rumor that the fourth movie that may or may not be made now was going to be Which... about time travel and and getting rid of the timeline and I'm like please please don't do that please don't yeah. erase this timeline this timeline is important it can just another timeline there's like no problem marvel is okay with it dc is okay with it why can't we just have all the timelines
1: i wouldn't quite go that far but i am quite happy for the star trek movies to stand as a a trilogy on its own self-contained it belongs to the fic writers now
0: yes I mean there's the, the episode with Worf and he jumps into all the different ones and those all exist so it's like just Yeah. It's okay to have, like we don't you don't have to say it it destroyed that one. It's like we're we can't we were over there and now we're over here. But
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's still and happening. some of us have memories of the other life, some of us don't. And that's weird and fun and like if Stamets remembers stuff or Hugh remembers stuff that other people don't then it's not just Michael alone, but it's interesting. It's a cool way to bring back Prime Philippa. It's a cool way to bring back Lorca. You know, I think I I just I'd love alternate timelines. You know, my favorite episode of The Next Generation is Yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that in terms of the cataclysmic ending that's going to change everything that we've been promised (laughs) for the the season finale, (laughs) that is kind of what I'm hoping for
0: okay we'll, we'll see what I'm not expecting even though everyone else is is Borg I guess I can see where they're going with Borg and the fact that that scene from Dark Frontier like the scene in this mm. episode did remind me of Dark Frontier sort of like okay maybe it was a puzzle piece but I would be okay with it I love the Borg because I adore the Borg so I I I'm okay with the this being the beginning of the Borg. I like the idea that it would connect to Enterprise cuz I I think my take on Enterprise is there were a lot of really cool ideas in that series that were <laughs> really poorly handled. And so if if Discovery wants to take all the cool stuff that happened in Enterprise and fix it, like I'm on I'm on board with that idea. Absolutely. So so I think that uh, it would be cool, and it, it would also like tie into like first contact, and and like there there would be it would be tying the universes together, and I think that's cool. I think it's the Federation accidentally having a hand in the creation of their biggest enemy. I I think again that's a that's a cool story symmetry thing I I'm, a, I'm not opposed to it um See? I like people get go ahead
1: tell me why oh. I'm wrong <laughs> I love the Borg and I particularly love the Borg in Voyager. I am not on team Voyager destroyed the Borg but I just think it makes the universe too small like there is room for more than one artificial intelligence but also the Borg are not artificial intelligence they're a hive mind built out of... People who evolve themselves through technological enhancements—that's that's not what control seems to be about. Control is only interested in having a physical body because the holograms aren't working. It's messy and it's complicated, and control is a threat assessment system who decided that the conclusion—the best way to eliminate all threats was to eliminate all biological life except—and that's not what the Borg are
0: about. I think it is kind of cool if it, like, I I love the Borg in Voyager, and I think that they enhanced it. I don't think the Borg are cool as a scary non-entity that you know nothing about that just, like, roll over you. Mm. That's not an interesting villain to me. So it's more interesting to me to know their motivations, and I think that if, like, the Borg queen is somehow a daughter of control, like I'm into that.
1: Oh, we're back to that.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. So because, like, so if if control created the Borg in order to you know use them t- as minions to like gain control of the whole universe. Yeah, but then it's got its space squids. <laughs>
1: well, like, why would you use bipeds when you have squids?
0: Well, I think it's easier to take over the bipeds and have them kill each other off than it is to create space squares to take over all of them?
1: I think you and I have very different approaches to universal domination, <laughs> but I respect your position.
0: <laughs> I just think it's like the idea that the Borg Queen is not the leader of the Borg, that she also answers to the artificial intelligence is kind of cool. I think that's, yeah. I, it makes the Borg, like that makes the Borg both the scary faceless monster and the human con- contingent, and I think that's cool. And also, yeah, maybe I just still really want there to be a human raised by the artificial intelligence.
1: Yeah, I respect that. I think <laughs> you know, I'm so easily pleased if it turns out the book to be the book, I'll probably be like, fine, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not happy about it. But uh, yeah, my 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 feeling now is that the book is a red red herring. Having said that, you know how wrong I am. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not really good with theories. I just throw everything at the wall and only remember the successes.
0: I don't even consider it theories. Like, I just, I just sort of say, here's some things that I, I like. I don't like to look at, I don't like to theorize and look at the what's going to happen. Like, I'll talk about it, but it's not. Mm. I don't like get attached to theories or something because it's that it hasn't happened yet. What I love to do is at the end of the story to go back and see all of the parallels Mm. and all of the little puzzle pieces that were there and why the story all makes sense. And if they aren't there, then I get sad. And (laughs) if they are, if there were more red herrings than puzzle pieces, I, then I, I also get sad. So I want it to make, I want it to tell a, a good story without trying to, like surprise us and also without trying to like a lot of misdirection yeah yeah like there was already all this misdirection with the red angel like i don't need more of that it makes the reveal stronger i guess but we could have had the reveal of michael's mom without the michael is the angel like i don't know (laughs) i just well
1: I think there's still a possibility that Michael is going to be the angel.
0: And so it would be, then it would be a puzzle piece and not a red herring. Like, you you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, I like stories that, I like stories that, that make sense and tell a story and how all the pieces matter. And it's okay to have like things that aren't a part of that plot that are like character building or are related to something else completely separate. But I don't like it when something is included in the story just to trick the audience. Yeah, that's frustrating. Should we wrap up? Okay. We've, we've gone through our <laughs> whole we, list. Have we gone through our whole list? Okay, we're, we're good. Yeah, I, I just want to reiterate that I really like Gabrielle Burnham and, and I uh, want more of her. And I, I, yes. I like, I like the directions that they're going with this. Even if I had, you know, like, why is that happening? Parts of this episode or, you know, the whole season, I really like, mm. uh, where it's going and what they're doing with it. And also I want to mention that the baby is in the promo promo for next. The secret baby. And I just, so I'm just, I'm excited for the baby to be important again.
1: yeah i feel like that episode was really where it came together for us and and so we need to go back to secret baby territory and so
0: like that is the kind of thing where like i have been waiting all season for that subplot to come back into play and so i'm excited for it because it's like it could have just been we're gonna tell this whole weird story just to get ash into section 31 and that would have been fine that would have been a, a, yeah, you know yeah. a reasonable reason for it all to be happening but you know it's already everybody's least favorite episode so for it to be the this actually has everybody to is do wrong with that then i i just want i want it to be and also i'm just really excited for laurel to come back and i'm really excited for more crazy klingon baby shenanigans <laughs>
1: I wholeheartedly agree on all counts and I think my only uh, point of disappointment is that it looks like Kat's probably not in that episode either so we don't get more Kat and Laurel and uh, hey did you uh, kind of maybe make me your puppet Chancellor cuz I would not be cool with that I I, that is a dangling thread that I would like to be addressed the fact that Pike still doesn't know that Giorgio is an imposter is a dangling thread everything else I'm cool with
0: and we still have three episodes so dangling threads ahoy you notice
1: how the dangling threads that i particularly want resolved are the ones that relate to cat cornwell yes like, <laughs> i am not an unbiased observer all right okay thank you for listening to Antimatterpod. pod you can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com including links to our social media and credits for our theme music You can follow us on Twitter at AntimatterPod. Sometimes we post cat pictures. If you like us, leave an iTunes review. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And join us next week for more discovery and more secret baby shenanigans.